Good afternoon, and thanks so much for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference. I'm Kimberly Shirk. I'll be your moderator for today's show, and I'm joined by co-authors Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. They are our experts on management techniques, the research behind them, and why effectively implementing them can really make a difference in your life and in the life of the teams that you lead. Today's topic for discussion is ensure the right fit. That's described in Chapter 32, and we're also incorporating Chapter 33 of Managing to Make a Difference today. That title is Match the Right People to the Right Training. So we've got a lot to cover today, and I'm excited to jump in. One of the first things I really want to kick off uh, with is something that is introduced in Chapter 33. It's called the gift formula, and it's pretty common knowledge to us here at Talent Plus. But, Larry, for the benefit of our listeners, would you um, talk us through exactly what that is? Yes. Uh, Let me start by saying the title of Chapter 33 is Match the Right People to the Right Training. So the issue of fit is very important when you're thinking about making a difference in the lives of your employees and helping them grow as people and as professionals. So we have a formula. And in words, the formula is talent plus fit times investment equals growth. And if you take the first letters of those words, T-F-I-G, and read it backwards, it spells gift. So as, as our listeners may remember, uh, you can think about talent as giftedness, aptitude, that potential for excellence. But the question is always excellence in what? The potential for excellence in sales is different from the potential for excellence in law enforcement or in teaching or in anything, frankly, other than sales. So different kinds of endeavors uh, require a different kind of talent, a different kind of aptitude to give somebody the potential to achieve excellence in that endeavor. So, so the, the gift formula is, is first you've got to understand somebody's talent. Then ask yourself, what's the best fit for somebody who naturally has these gifts? And then when you start investing in that person, then you're going to see a lot of growth. So that is the gift formula. Talent plus fit times investment equals growth. Kim, as we kick this off and we think about the gift formula and its importance in our culture and what we do, um, in your management experience and in the analysis that you've done with the clients that you've worked with over the years, talk to me a little bit about the importance of actually implementing the gift formula. Oh, it's huge. Um, you know, it, the reality is you can have the most talented person in the world. If you don't get the fit right, that person's not going to be successful. Um, and, and I think the thing that I've learned in my work with a lot of different organizations is that fit is really a question of context. You, you're not just thinking about this person. You're thinking about this person in a particular context, and you're thinking about What are the right expectations? What are the right cultural values? What are the right um, goals? All of those contextual factors that come into play around a person and trying to get those right to mold to the person and to the needs of the organization is the magic formula. And, and when you think you've got that right, when you're hiring somebody, you can look them in the eye and say, you don't need to change to be successful here. 
we think this position is a great fit for you. We want you to come in here and be more of who you really are. Uh, it's it's that kind of thing. And I've got I've got more than one story about this. And I'd like to tell you a story uh, about my friend Chris. This dates back to when I was in the hotel business. And I got a call from a recruiter who was checking reference on my friend Chris. Uh, and the job was a very, very desirable job in the hotel business. It was to be the general manager of a hotel on a Caribbean island. And um, a lot of people would love that, I can assure you. Uh, and, and so the, the gentleman called me for a reference on Chris. And by the way, I think very highly of Chris. He is, uh, it, he, he is no longer uh, a general manager in the hotel business, but at the time he was. He was a really excellent general manager. And, and I asked the recruiter to tell me a little bit about the job. And as he was explaining the job to me, uh, he, he said to me, you know, the hotel on this island is a very prominent business on the island. And the general manager of this hotel routinely spends time with the governor of the island. And there's a, there's a large political element to this job. And when he got done explaining it to me, I said, uh, I don't recommend Chris. I don't think he would be a good fit for that job. And the recruiter was dumbfounded. He said, but, but Chris gave me your name as somebody would give him a good reference. I said, I, I absolutely would. But I don't think this job is a good fit because, as it happens, Chris is not a diplomat. He is very blunt. And uh, he, he, he would not do well in this position. And, and the recruiter said, what am I going to tell Chris? And I said, you won't need to tell him anything. I'm going to call him. I think this would be a bad dis career decision for him to take this job. It's a bad fit. And I'll call him myself and tell him, and, which I did. And Chris thanked me. So that's when, when, uh, when Kim is talking about context, that's an illustration of what she's talking about. He's a terrific general manager, but that was not the right context for him to be at. I know that we've talked in the past um, about uh, just these clear examples that really bring to light what it means to not be in the right fit. And I know you've shared before a story about a nurse who was incredibly talented, but perhaps placed in the wrong fit. And I wonder if you would recount that story for us. Yes, uh, at Talent Plus, as if our listeners don't know, uh, we do assessments, uh, essentially helping people discover whether they're a good fit for a job, for an organization, et cetera. And we had done an assessment on a particular candidate who was a nurse, and she had graduated from one of the best nursing schools. She had worked in one or two uh, leading hospitals. She had glowing performance evaluations. And this, uh, and we ran our assessment on her. And she also showed very well on our assessment. So we recommended to our client that they move forward with their selection process. And eventually, they they did the other steps in their selection process, they made her an offer and they called us, I don't know, a few months later and they said, we don't understand what's going on. This nurse is failing. 
and she has all of these credentials. She did well on your assessment. Help us understand what is going on. And as it happens, uh, we had a recording of her assessment, which was in the form of an interview. We had a recording of it. So we went back and listened to the recording. And in during the interview, she told us that she did not really like change. She didn't like surprises. She didn't like to be in those types of situations where she couldn't anticipate and prepare for what was what was coming. And they had assigned her to work in the emergency room. Let that sink in a little bit. She's working in the emergency room. She doesn't like unexpected events. That's your life in the emergency room. So uh, in this particular case, uh, there was an easy remedy for this situation. We said transfer her outside the emergency room, and they transferred her into one of the operating uh, units of, of the hospital where she could prepare, et cetera, et cetera. And within a very short period of time, she was one of the most celebrated employees in that hospital. And that's an example of what happens when you get somebody in a bad fit versus getting them into a good fit. Uh, I'll give you one more. Um, this, this is a less significant one, but it was pretty significant for the employee. This particular employee was a concierge on the club level of the Ritz-Carlton in Naples, Florida. And the club level is like the first class section of an airplane. The, the service up there is uh, way better than the terrific service you get in the rest of the hotel. And we had recommended this young man, said he would be a great uh, person up there, and he wasn't. He was failing, et cetera, et cetera. And I happened to be doing some consulting at the hotel at this point in time, and they asked me if I'd, I'd talk to this guy, see if I could figure out what was going on. And so I sat down with him, and, and uh, he knew that he wasn't performing well. They had made it clear that they were disappointed in his performance. And I, I said, what's going on here? He said, I'm a night person. And they have me opening this this department at 5.30 in the morning. He said, I'm not even a human being at 5.30 in the morning. I can't function at 5.30 in the morning. So I went back and I said, hey, easy, give them a night shift. As it happens, they had an opening on the night shift in that very department. And same thing. They transferred him to the night shift. He, almost overnight, became one of the best employees they had in the hotel. So that's just a couple of fit stories. Kim, what comes to mind for you when you hear these stories? What what comes to mind to, for me is that as a manager who wants to make a difference and who wants to help people achieve the best possible performance results, who wants to achieve the best results for the team and the company that you lead, getting the fit right matters. You've got to figure out what is it that people are good at how do you create the alignment between that and what you expect of them and the context that they're going to be working in and the cultural values that are true in your organization? And that when you get that, that's when you create the platform for optimizing performance. You know, that gift formula has three portions, talent, fit, and investment. 
if you don't get both talent and fit optimized, you're not going to get the best bang for your buck on what you do to invest in someone. I think that leads us into what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, one of the things I want to touch base on is a notion that you can teach anybody anything. And um, it's something that we ponder a lot here um, at Talent Plus and even in preparation for this show. So I want to touch base on that, but we'll take a quick break. Um, I want to remind you that you can go to managetomakeadifference.com and you can actually download the gift formula so you can see it for yourself. Um, You can ponder that as a manager yourself and how that works into your organization. And that's a website where you can purchase books. You can um, sign up to um, have Larry come out and speak to your organization. There are just a a multitude of resources there. There are um, links to blogs and things like that that will really help you to supplement the book Managing to Make a Difference. So we hope you take the time to purchase one not only for yourself and for your team, but that you will also take advantage of these additional resources at managetomakeadifference.com. And we will be back in just a minute with the second segment. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference with Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. We are excited to have you here today. We're talking about ensuring the right fit. And we kicked off the first um, segment talking about the gift formula, which is very familiar to us, but I want to reiterate that for our listeners. It's um, a formula based on growing individuals and organizations. And um, I'm, I'll just tell you exactly what it says. Talent plus fit times investment equals growth. And we had some great discussion about really getting that fit piece right. And as we um, as we headed off to break, I really wanted to call your attention to an experiment that is actually in the book at the end of chapter 32. This book is chock full of lessons and experiments for each chapter so that you can really put into place what you're learning in this book. And the experiment for this particular chapter is really intriguing. Kim, would you like to kick us off and share a little bit about what that is? Sure. It's a pretty simple experiment, and it's, um, as, as a manager, take a moment, identify three people who have thrived in your organizational culture and or under your unique management style. For each of those people, think about what has made them such a great fit. Think less about you know, what their skills are, and think more about their qualities. What are the things that make them such a great fit for that context? Ask each of those people also to say what they think makes them a good fit. And then find those areas of alignment. Find those places where what you see is what they see. And as you identify and look for future candidates for your team. Focus on those things. What are those things that are really important to creating that right fit? And, of course, we always say, try this out. Hire one, two, three people. And go back and think about how this approach has helped you do a better job of getting the right person into the right role and of getting that fit right. So that's a pretty simple experiment, just a few steps, of you thinking about what fit looks like, you engaging other people in thinking about what great fit looks like, and then using it to help you make future decisions. I think that's a a really interesting concept to think about what does fit look like. And every organization, I imagine, will have some nuances within their culture or within their work style that um, that will be unique to each organization. And so how do you go about that? How do you go about determining what a great fit in within your team looks like? Well, I, I'm glad you asked me that because I wanted to uh, I wanted to emphasize part of that experiment that Kim talked about is identifying people who have thrived in the organization and who have thrived under your unique management style. It's one thing to sit around a table and and just ideate about what you think would make somebody a good fit. But the best way to do it is is to study success is to identify people who you know are a good fit and start thinking about the characteristics of those individuals. And you're going to find they share certain things in common. And those are the things that you can focus on to, to give you a better sense of whether or not somebody is the right fit. 
nobody gets it correct all the time. You you can't learn enough about somebody in an, a selection process, no matter how many interviews they go through, no matter how many assessments you do. You can't learn enough about a person to get it right every single time. So you do your best to get it right and uh, then you pay attention once somebody is in there and make sure that you've got it right. And if not, you have to start thinking about, as as we've told a couple of stories here, is there some way we can uh, do some job sculpting here? Is there some way we can alter that person's set of responsibilities to fit the expectations to the person as opposed to trying to mold the person to fit the expectations of the job. And, and so that that formula, talent plus fit times investment equals growth, is not about fixing people. We do not believe that people have to be fixed. We believe every person has gifts, every person has talent, and that means there is a fit where every person has an opportunity to really thrive and grow and self-actualize and be at their best. And that's kind of contrary to a lot of what corporate America considers. You know, you hear often, you can teach anybody anything. I mean, is that really true? Well, in terms of teaching, sure, I can teach anybody anything. Teaching is what I do. Uh, whether or not I can teach any anybody anything is, is frankly the wrong question. The question that needs to be answered by teachers as well as, as, as supervisors and department heads and so forth is not whether I can teach. The question is, whether somebody can learn, whether they can incorporate into their behavior the kinds of things I'm trying to teach them. I mean, I got to tell you, there are a lot of great golf teachers out there in the world. And can they teach anybody golf? You bet they can teach. But there are certain people who can execute what they're teaching almost immediately And there are other people who will practice, practice, practice and not execute that golf swing uh, properly. What's all that about? It's about talent. It's about aptitude. It's about potential. All those things are the same thing. That's why, yes, so entirely in, in the world, we have to quit focusing on whether teaching has occurred. And we have to focus on whether learning has occurred and whether the person I'm trying to teach match the right people to the right training. Don't send your pitchers to batting practice. That's not how the pitcher makes his contribution to the success of the team. Yes, we know he's not a good batter. So instead of trying to remediate that, instead of trying to fix that, what you do with your employees is you have a workaround. You try to sculpt their responsibilities so they spend the least amount of time doing things that they really just aren't set up to do and spend the most of time doing things they're good at and enjoy. I I want every listener to visualize the following situation. In your organization, whether it's a company or a not-for-profit organization, doesn't matter. In your organization, I want you to imagine everyone on their way to work tomorrow. That some people are taking public transportation, some people may be riding a bicycle, some people are driving. However they get there, I want you to imagine everyone on their way to work 
and every single employee in the organization is thinking about their day and they're thinking that they're going to spend most of their time doing something they're good at and enjoy. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about fit. What would happen to all of your business metrics if you get more people spending more time in that space where they're doing things they're good at and enjoy? What's going to happen to their morale? What's going to happen to their engagement? What's going to happen to the quality of their work? What's going to happen to customer satisfaction? What's going to happen to sales, to revenue? All of those metrics will move in the right direction. Your turnover will move in the right direction. That's what we're talking about. The, the more you can get somebody in the, in the best fit for their talent, the more they're going to spend that time in that space where they're doing something they're good at and enjoy. And then when you invest in making them better at that, then they're going to grow. They're going to add more value to the organization. They're going to grow professionally and everybody is going to win. They're going to have more success and they're going to create more value for the organization and for the people who are served by that organization. Well, and I want to jump in and talk about that term job sculpting. Um, That's a a term that we use a lot, but maybe new to some of our listeners. Um, I've had people ask me, you say job sculpting, what do you mean? What I mean is that in order to get the best outcomes, you are not trying to change this person. What you're doing is you're changing the context in which they work to optimize their results. That's job sculpting. You're making the job fit the person. You're not trying to make the person fit your rigid idea of what that job looks like. And that is turning upside down kind of the whole way we do recruiting and staffing. We start with this job description, and we want to fit this person into that hole. It doesn't really work that way because people don't really come in job description-shaped forms. They come the way they are. And so ideally, you have enough flexibility to do that job sculpting so that it really does fit who that person is. You know, as you two were talking, I was just um, struck by the fact that I literally had a conversation two days ago um, with a woman who had said, I found my dream job. And uh, I wanted to explore that. I've heard that before. That's not the first time. It's not unique to, to anyone saying that. But I wanted to explore what she meant. And she said, you know, I work more hours. I work um, hours that take me further away from my family for more for greater periods of time than I did in my previous job. But it doesn't feel like working to me. And I feel like uh, Kimberly Rath, the owner of this um, company, Talent Plus, here says, we want people to tap dance to work. Now, I don't know that everybody's going to pull tap shoes and do a little jig on the way to work, but when you have that level of enjoyment, your discretionary effort, the, the effort you are willing to put into something to move it forward, and that growth just seems astronomical. And so I want to explore that a little bit when we come back. We're going to take a break. Um, I do want to let all of you managers out there know that we want to really encourage you to make managing to make a difference part of your next management seminar. These are great tools for you as managers to manage your own teams. But look, look bigger, dream bigger, if you will, with your organization and think about how you can 
amplify this message. And so you can go to 800 CEO Reads. You can purchase copies for your team, for your entire organization. They'll even brand them for you. They'll put together a, a cover, a specialized cover with your branding and your logo and things like that. And you can order copies for everyone. But the tactical tools that Kim and Larry have put together in this book are really, um, it's just chock full of tools that you can put into place tomorrow to move your organization forward. So I want to encourage you on that. And we'll be back in just a moment with Managing to Make a Difference. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily, and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference. This afternoon with Larry and Kim, we've been talking about uh, just ensuring the right fit and making sure that not only do people have the talent to come into your organization or the skills that come from their resume, but they're fit with your culture and the needs of your organization and your team really matter and really make a difference. In our last segment, we talked about the fact that we talk about you can teach anybody anything, but we're asking the wrong question. The question is whether or not they can learn. And then we touched on job sculpting, which is in effect not changing the person, 
but really changing the context in which they work so that you can make the most of that person. So it was a great conversation. Um, If you're just joining us now, I do encourage you to go backwards and listen to that. But I want to jump right in. Um, Our last story, I was sharing that someone just the other day told me they had entered their dream job and they were performing longer hours and more time away from their family, but it was their dream job and they didn't even see it as that because they were loving coming into work. And Larry, you mentioned you wanted to touch on burnout. Yeah, because your your little story about this person and the dream job uh, just reminded me that if you are in the right fit, you are unlikely to burn out. Because the job is giving you positive energy. And you might be, as you said, uh, the, the person who's talking to you, you might be working longer hours. It might be more demanding than other jobs. But when you are in the right fit, you tend to not burn out. People who are burning out, many of them, I don't want to say all of them, but many of them, are not in the right fit. They're trying to be somebody they're not, that the context is asking them for a response that they just don't have in their repertoire. Like my friend Chris, that context would have asked him to be a diplomat, and he doesn't have a diplomatic bone in his body. And so a a lot of times what we're seeing uh, in terms of burnout is somebody who's in the wrong fit. And even if they cut back their hours, If you're not in the right fit, it just drains you. It just sucks the life out of you. Uh, And you come home and then you don't have enough left for your family. You're you're not in a good mood, et cetera, et cetera. And so the, the aftermath, the ripple effects of not being in the right fit. Are, are tremendous, and they include, in terms of the after effects, those after effects include illness, high blood pressure, heart disease. We, we, I mean, there, there's a mountain of medical evidence that when people are under constant stress, that they, they, the body produces chemicals that lead to these sorts of, of long-term uh, diseases. So, listeners, if you are out there and this resonates with you and you're saying in your heart of hearts, I'm not in the right fit, don't stay there. I know it's hard. I know it's scary. Uh, But start tomorrow thinking about how to get yourself into a better fit. And if you know in your heart of hearts that one of your employees or more than one of your employees is in a job that's not the right fit for that person, it is not kind to let them stay there. Even if it's painful for you to tell them that this isn't working out and that they need to move on. If you can't find, if you can't adjust, you can't do the job sculpting, if you can't find something else for them in your organization, They may have to leave the organization, but that's the caring thing to do if somebody is in a bad fit. Despite the pain involved in having that conversation and in taking that action, it's painful for them. And I hope it's painful for you to tell somebody they're not going to have a job anymore. But that's where the degree to which you care about your people overrides 
your desire to maybe avoid that painful conversation. If you care enough about somebody, you'll have that painful conversation. Remember, that's why it's your best friend who tells you you have bad breath. Because that friend cares about you enough to say something that's going to be unpleasant for both of you. Possibly even more unpleasant than the bad breath. (laughs) And that's the aftermath of the negative Uh, or the um, contrary, you know, you're not in the right fit. Let's talk a little bit about when you are in the right fit, because there is, and you've alluded to it just a little bit earlier in the show, but let's continue to discuss this. What exactly is the ROI of talent? Kim, in your perspective, you have a section on the book that really talks about the ROI of talent and being in the right fit and, and being a part of this formula. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, let's get back to the formula for a moment, the gift formula. It's talent plus fit times investment equals growth. If you're going to make an investment in people, the multiplier on that investment is the combination of talent plus fit. And the study I want to talk about really focuses on talent. Um, we're, We're kind of making an assumption that the fit is happening what we were able to measure was talent. Um, our company, that's our specialty. We understand talent. We know how to assess it. We know how to measure it. For one of our uh, clients that was uh, a high-end retailer, we created a pre-hire assessment that helped us understand what talent for that role looked like. And everyone who was hired into that role got exactly the same investment. Everyone got the same training. Everyone had the same experience after the hire. The difference that we were looking for is what happens if you have higher talent? And so what we did is we looked at the people who were in the top quartile on that talent assessment. And then we looked at what their sales results were. And the people who had the top quartile talent sold 12% more than the people who had bottom quartile talent. And talent was something we could figure out and we could measure and know before we hired somebody and before we made the investment of training. But in this case, the investment was made in everyone. And those top quartile people performed 12% better. At 12%, I mean, that's impressive, right? But the question is, what does that really equate to? Well, for this company, it equated to $1.7 million in increased sales over a three-month period. That's a lot of money in a very short amount of time. For something that you can measure ahead of time and you can know ahead of time, and it puts a point on what that multiplicative effect is on investment. Look, you're going to make an investment in everybody you hire. But if you can make that investment in people who are going to push it farther because the talent and the fit are there, that's where you should make it. So that's just a very powerful example in dollars and cents of how getting those factors, the talent and the fit right, makes such a huge difference. Let me uh, let me add to that point. I'm gonna I'm gonna state the point 
slightly differently and, and a little bit more bluntly. Attitude matters. Talent matters. Motivation and training alone are not enough. If that were the case, everybody could play golf like Tiger Woods. Motivation and training are not enough. Unless someone has the talent for a particular role, all the training and practice in the world is not going to lead to excellence. And I think one of the um, one of the things that managers need to consider as they look at their teams is, um, I think fit sometimes sounds esoteric or it sounds like something they don't have time to do in the day-to-day tasks of all of the things they are required to do and report and and the bottom lines that they're supposed to be hitting and the measurement and all that stuff. But I think to your point, when you bring that ROI back, when you take the time to contemplate what that fit looks like, it yields results really impressive results to the bottom line. And so not only are you doing the right thing to for the individuals that are working for you, but you're moving the organization forward, which as a manager, that's your goal as well. And so I appreciate always the fact that we can talk in high level terms about conceptual matters, but we bring them down to the realities of what managers face every day. Because we know it's challenging to hire new people, bring new people onto the team, onboard them, invest in them. That's time consuming. That doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen naturally for a lot of people. And that's why I love this book, because there are real practical steps and lessons that managers can help move themselves toward achieving those goals. But in the end, it brings hard dollar results and it brings hard um, measurable results, which I think every manager in corporate America is answerable to ultimately. Yes, you bet. I want to spend a minute talking about aptitude. You know, as a manager, you don't always get to know what someone can do, right? There are things that you're going to need people to do that they might not come to you already knowing how to do. The question is, do they have the right aptitude to succeed? I mean, I, I think about this as a high school coach. I take kids who I'm trying to teach them how to hurdle. Look, I can teach just about anybody the mechanics of how to hurdle. What I need, though, are people who have the right aptitude because the people who are going to win races are the people who know where their body is. And when I talk to them about what I need them to do, they can make adjustments quickly and they can have the body awareness to do that. I need people who are a little bit overqualified for half crazy because I'm going to ask them to run as fast as they can at something that can make them fall down. Those are the kinds of aptitude that I'm looking for. That's the people that I want to invest some time in training because they're going to be able to do something with that. The people who don't have that can't do. I can tell you, I've got the fall down part covered. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue on that topic with managing to make a difference. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter. 
and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily, and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference. We've had a great discussion on really ensuring the right fit today. And I want to continue that discussion. Kim, you were following up with a story about um, being a track coach and being able to teach anyone the mechanics of hurdling, but they have to know, they have to want to hurdle, um, for lack of a better term. So I'll let you wrap up that story as we come back for this last segment. Yeah, just just to recap, I mean, what, what I need people to be able to do is to have that thing inside them that allows them to take a risk, that allows them to run at something that can knock them down. And, and I have to have them have that self-awareness, that body awareness, so they can feel how their body moves, so that when I do teach them some of these techniques, they can actually do them and make adjustments and do some things that aren't very natural because they know how to get their body to translate what I'm telling them into physical action. You know, that's what you're looking for. And I think Larry has a great story that illustrates that well as well. Yes, this is, uh, this is a story about uh, diving horses. In 1979, I was the vice president of human resources for in pre-opening of the then Playboy Casino in Atlantic City. And I got numerous stories about that, but this one is about diving horses. In its heyday, Atlantic City used to be called the queen of resorts. And they had an attraction. They have a, a long and beautiful boardwalk. It's been restored. It's there today. They had an attraction there where horses with a rider would walk up uh, a very uh, a, a steep incline and to a platform, and they would jump off the platform, dive into the ocean, a horse with a rider on the back. 
And I was really fascinated by this. And I wanted to know how in the blazes do you train a horse to go up there and dive off a platform for crying out loud. And and so I asked around, Atlantic City, by the way, is not a very big place. I started asking around and uh, I found somebody who said, oh yeah, the, the horse trainer, he still lives here and, and he's in uh, this particular bar uh, almost every night of the week at about 6 p.m. You can go over there and just ask him yourself. And so sure enough, I went over there and he was there. I introduced myself and, and I said, how do you teach horses to do this? How do you train them? This is unbelievable. Here was his answer. He said, I don't train them. He said, this is what I do. I get a group of horses when they're young colts, and I lead them down to the water. And some of them just naturally like to go into the water, and some of them don't. The ones who don't, I eliminate. And he said, then the ones who went into the water, I take them to a very low dock that's just barely above the water and I lead them out on the dock and some of them didn't even want to go out on the dock but some of them do and then I see if one of them just decides they're going to jump off and those are the young horses that I, I, I haven't eliminated. I just eliminate all the others. He said, then I, I put them on, a, on an incline to a low platform and see if they like to jump off. And it takes some coaxing, but some of them do, in fact, jump off. Uh, never threaten any of them, never hurt any of them. And, and he said, every once in a while, I find a horse who, as Kim said, animals have talents and they have themes, and some horses like to take risks, and uh, some horses like to dive into the water. And he said, every once in a while, I, I find a horse that just likes to do this, and, and with a rider on there, and that's the horse that does it. He's, there's no training involved whatsoever. I just gave them an opportunity to exercise this talent they had, that otherwise, if they're out in the pasture, they're never going to get to exercise this talent. But every once in a while, I find a horse who wants to do that. that. And let's go back and remember what we're talking about. We're talking about matching the right people to the right training. Too many times, what we're doing is we're saying, I need everyone to learn this. And so whether it's easy for you, whether you have an aptitude for it or not, whether this is really consistent, whether this is the right training for you or not, I want you to learn it. We're not going to get very much out of that investment. But when we invest in the people who do it naturally, who have that natural inclination, who have the aptitude, that's where the gold is. Okay. I've got a final story about fit this comes from a book titled Chicken Soup for the Woman's Soul. And this is by Robert Fulham, F-U-L-G-H-U-M. It's pronounced Fulham. And uh, he's written a lot of books. I love his books. I love him. And this is a story about fit. And the title of the story is Where Do the Mermaids Stand? Here's the story by Robert Fulham. Giants, wizards, and dwarfs was the game to play, being left in charge of about 80 children, 7 to 10 years old, while their parents were off doing parenty things. I mustered my troops in the church social hall and explained the game. It's a large-scale version of rock, paper, and scissors and involves some intellectual decision-making, but the real purpose of the game is to make a lot of noise and run around chasing people until nobody knows which side you're on or who won. 
organizing a room full of wired-up grade schoolers into two teams, explaining the rudiments of the game, achieving consensus on group identity, all of this is no mean accomplishment, but we did it with a right good will and were ready to go. The excitement of the chase had reached a critical mass. I yelled out, you have to decide now which you are, a giant, a wizard, or a dwarf. While the groups huddled in frenzied, whispered consultation, a tug came at my pant leg. A small child stands there looking up and asks in a small, concerned voice, where do the mermaids stand? Where do the mermaids stand? A long pause, a very long pause. Where do the mermaids stand, says I? Yes, you see, I am a mermaid. There are no such things as mermaids. Oh, yes, there is. I am one. I, I, I always cry when I read this. She did not relate to being a giant, a wizard, or a dwarf. A dwarf. She knew her category, mermaid, and was not about to leave the game and go over and stand against the wall where the loser would stand. She intended to participate wherever mermaids fit into the scheme of things without giving up dignity or identity. She took it for granted that there was a place for mermaids and that I would know just where. Well, where do the mermaids stand? All the mermaids, those who are different, those who do not fit the norm, and who do not accept the available boxes and pigeonholes. Answer that question and you can build a school, a nation, or a world on it. What was my answer at the moment? Every once in a while I say the right thing. The mermaid stands right here by the king of the sea. Yes, right here by the king's fool, I thought to myself, as we stood there, hand in hand, reviewing the troops of wizards and giants and dwarfs as they rolled by in wild disarray. It's not true, by the way. It's not true that mermaids do not exist. I know at least one personally. I have held her hand. Uh, I have no words for that story. I love that story. To know your fit, to know exactly where you should belong, and then to ask the questions in a society, where does that where do I line up? That, that's what we should all do in the, in the workplace, in our homes, in our schools, in any organization that we're in. So well, let's wrap up with a few final thoughts on ensuring the right fit. Kim, what comes to mind for you? I love that story. <laughs> um, I, I think what comes to mind is one thing that's just really ringing in my ears is what Larry said earlier, which was if you know you're in the wrong fit, start thinking tomorrow about what you're going to do. You know what I say? Don't wait till tomorrow. Start thinking today about what you're going to do about that. You have more than two options. It's not an either or. There are ways to make things work. We talked about job sculpting. Um, talk to your manager about it. If you're a manager and you know somebody on your team is, on, is not in the right fit, think today about what you're going to do about that to help that person be who they really are. Mm. Larry, final thoughts? Final thoughts is it isn't the case that anybody can learn anything if you're talking about learning to do it with excellence. Aptitude matters. Talent matters. Understand your own gifts and start thinking about what can be done with these gifts to make a difference in the world. And when you make people as individuals feel significant and their teams feel significant and then the organization itself is making a difference of significance, that's how we change the world. So thank you for joining us today for Managing to Make a Difference. We hope you'll pick up your copy today. 
and take away some of these real life lessons, these real life experiments to help you manage to make a difference in your everyday. Thanks for joining us again today, guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference with Talent Plus's Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. We hope these real-life management examples will help you manage teams across the globe. Just a reminder, this series airs on Voice America, the business channel, each Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. We hope you'll tune in next week for Managing to Make a Difference. Until then, put these practices into place and manage to make a difference.